0: You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S., from law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media/cbf to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, Please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com.
1: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast. My name is Emily Bench, and every week I'm sitting down with women who are smart and successful executives in Columbus to talk with them about what they had to do to get to where they are today. With us today is Kelly Griesmer, the CEO of Women's Fund of Central Ohio. Kelly, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thank you for coming.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Kelly serves as the president and CEO of the Women's Fund of Central Ohio, a public foundation that is fiercely committed to igniting social change for the sake of gender equality. A bridge builder with an unwavering commitment to gender equity, inclusivity, and women's and girls' leadership, Kelly has a proven track record of creating opportunities and sparking change for women, girls, and families in Central Ohio. Kelly joined the Columbus Foundation as a director of special projects in 2016 and later served on its leadership team as senior vice president. While at the foundation, she worked to build a strong, connected community through new initiatives such as the Big Table in Kind Columbus. Throughout her career... Kelly has created ways to engage people across a wide spectrum of beliefs, ethnicities, and social and economic backgrounds in order to move the community forward. From 2006 to 2015, Kelly served on the board of directors for the Women's Fund, including chairing the board for two years. She's a member of the Board of Directors of the Center for Healthy Families and previously served on the Board of Choices for Victims of Domestic Violence. Well, that is quite the bio. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. I feel like your position and the company that you work for is exactly what we're interested in here with podcasts. podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start a little bit just about you and your resume. Could you just give me a quick rundown of what brought you to the Women's Fund?
2: Sure. Well, you know, it's funny because I started out as a journalism major. Um, I thought I was going to be a journalist. And i um, it's funny because I didn't realize back then, I've realized over the course of my career, I made a lot of decisions. I loved writing and mm. I really wanted to be a journalist. But back then I wanted to work for Rolling Stone magazine. And that, you know, getting, I was going to school at Indiana University and it's like, you just didn't get up and move to New York. <laughs> and, and but there weren't a lot of people encouraging me to take those kind of risks mm. back then. Um, and I think uh, being female was a piece of that. And so I really decided to do something which sounds crazy, but it was a much safer decision. I went to law school. I kind of have this warrior spirit and Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in the dirt. And journalism was my first way of trying to work through that. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to be a trial lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was for about 15 years. And I worked for a judge and then I worked for a large law firm, Jones Day, that has an office here in Columbus and became a partner there, which was not easy. You, I think when I was a partner, there were 600 partners and only 100 of us were female wow. um, across the entire country. It was, oh it was an international law firm. So certainly not an easy road for anyone and and, and females... For sure, but I realized that kind of after I'd been a partner for about six years that that was never what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. I I was um, fighting for um, companies that were reorganizing in bankruptcy, and that felt a lot like pers- you know public interest work for me mm-hmm. because I was saving companies and trying to help. People, you know, get keep their pensions or, or you know, get their claims paid or whatever it was, and trying to just make sure everything came out fair and equitably. But that wasn't, um, you know, it came down to to dollars and cents a lot of times. And I had meant to be, you know, something much more focused on the actual humans, yeah, um, and wanted to help people. I think a lot of people go to law school wanting to help people and sometimes that doesn't translate quite the way you think. And so in 2008, I had the great opportunity to help my friend Tom Lennox start Pelotonia. Um, he had uh, recently survived cancer at a very young age. And I knew the chance to help start something entrepreneurial and that, was, that we hoped would, would really create an amazing community um, here within our community in, in Columbus. It was just something I couldn't Pass up, mm. and so I became the first chief operating officer there. So for seven and a half years, I did all the operations. Really helped, though. It started out we were only a team of five, and um, you know had to get two thousand two hundred sixty-five riders yeah. that first year. And was that
1: a big risk for you? You know, huge. jumping from law to something like that?
2: Yeah, huge. I mean, and so that's kind of where I think I turned the corner yeah. on realizing that what I hadn't done earlier in my career was that that kind of risk, and it I still had had an amazing career by mm-hmm. many people's accounts, and that's not, I, I learned a lot and loved being a lawyer, but I was really meant to do something Mm. different. And I, I would, I always say, I, I loved, I don't regret Practicing law, I just did it too long. Because once I got to Pelotonia, I knew that was what I was supposed to be doing. You know, the five of us just dug down deep. It was 2008. The economy was terrible. Everyone told us that we were going to fail. Hmm. Um, No one would fundraise. No one would want to ride a bike. And I'm here to say almost $200 million later that they were wrong. But we raised $4.5 million that very first year. And that was, it was all about the experience that we created for for people. It wasn't about any of those things people were worried about. It wasn't about the bikes, it wasn't about the fundraising minimum, it was about the experience you were creating for people. And So I learned, um, what what I learned there, I, I worked there for seven and a half years and it was an amazing, amazing experience. And then I ended up at the Columbus Foundation because I wanted to be able. So many nonprofits don't get to experience what I got to experience as a nonprofit professional, which is people gave us courage, capital. They gave us patient capital. They let us build something. And we nonprofits are businesses. Yeah. You know, just like any other company, we just have different tax status. Mm-hmm. And but that's not the way they're, that nonprofits are often funded. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just not allowed to make mistakes. They're not allowed to take risks the way that that. Um, for-profit companies are. And we were at Pelotonia and it worked amazingly well. So at the Columbus Foundation, I had an opportunity to help um, try to really think about how nonprofit capacity building can happen, um, through their giving store and the big give. And I also had the opportunity to start the big table, which for me was about creating a community, uh, our Columbus community. I knew once they connect, they do amazing things together. And hopefully those tables at the big table are are ways for people to meet and connect. Even, um, if they don't participate in something like Pelotonia, the people want that human connection. So, um, I really love my time at at the foundation, but as, as you said earlier with my bio, I had always been part of the Women's Fund. It was the nonprofit that had sort of, I think, set me on my path Mm. to realize who I really was and to realize some of the weird ways that I was being, you know, I I think we have to realize there's gender bias. It it happens. I realized it in my career. The longer I was doing what I was doing, you start to know that opportunities aren't happening or things aren't happening. And people, some most of the time, don't even realize that they aren't treating you the same. Mm.
1: Do you have any, like, times in your career, maybe in law or otherwise, where that really kind of
2: hit you? It's hit me numerous times. And I do think it's more about the chance. You know, the, I think the mo- the hardest thing is, for instance, when you're a female lawyer and you're trying to figure out if you'd like to have a child. And it's just mm. people don't understand how to support you in that. I have a son. Um, I didn't have a son until I had been already a lawyer for 10 or 11 years. Okay and it's because it's so hard to find people who are doing it and and you and, and it's not going to be perfect and people get so worried that you're not going to be able to be committed anymore or that you're not going to be able to do your job mm-hmm. that the fear and the risk and it, it, for anyone who's really type A um about it, it's really hard and I don't think that any of the people supporting me ever consciously thought they weren't giving me opportunities but I know that once you know you say you're about to have a child, yeah. people start to have all these concerns that you're not mm-hmm. going to fulfill your, your responsibilities anymore. And yeah. luckily at Jones Day, there were some women who had succeeded in their offices throughout the firm and were running offices in DC and Pittsburgh and had lived through some of that experience. And so one of the most important things for me was that they started sharing their stories. And it's what taught me the Women's Fund, that's one of our, our biggest points of our mission is women supporting women, um, is that it's women philanthropists supporting women. And then of course, now we hope that we'll start to have male allies that join us in that work. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. And would you suggest law school to young women starting out their careers? Because I feel like that—that that in like getting an MBA is something that I feel like people are always like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about it. What, what would you say to young women? I say you?
2: absolutely. Yeah. Um. I. I don't. I love my law degree. Has. Has been. I has been an amazing um, benefit to me and I will never give up my license ever um, and and it's because it's, it's hard to do and it taught me to think. Uh I'm not I'm not afraid of anyone when you once you've been through law school and you've been to court a couple times um, but but I think even if you're a transactional lawyer or a you know a, a, a state lawyer it just teaches you a thought a way to think that's really helpful I, I however kind of wish I'd gotten an MBA mm. I wish that I'd done both I remember yeah. back in law school seeing people going through a joint law MBA program and thinking they're just crazy Um, and now I'm like what was I thinking I really needed that because I've had to learn all the business pieces on the job yeah what was like your first time in court like? I'm so
1: curious. Uh, I've always seen the shows and the movies and I've heard it's not anything like the shows and the
2: movies. <laughs> it is isn't. it isn't. Yeah. Um, it's funny because the first time I went, I, was, um, I had two great, I've had amazing male mentors um, throughout my career and I had two male mentors. One was a senior associate and one was a partner mm-hmm. and both of them took me right into court with them in the first six months that I was there, which people wow. say doesn't happen. And we were in, we were in court in Dayton and I got up to try to put this witness on at this hearing and the other attorneys clearly knew I was green and just they, I, as I've, I've often told the story, I said, they, I, I basically asked the person their name and they objected, you know, they're like, no, that's hearsay. They wouldn't know their name if it wasn't their mother that told them. And, and I was like, oh, you know, that I mean, and that's, they were taking advantage. Yeah. And, um, those two, those two, um, the, the senior associate especially just stood up and calmly page through the exhibit notebook to help me get back on, on, uh, on task. But it was not, um, by any stretch, uh, uh, not a a home run that first time.
1: What was it like? I've had a couple people on the show who have said that what has helped them tremendously is just having male
2: mentors in their corner for them. Mm -hmm. What has that been like for you? Yeah. You know, we like to call them male, male allies now, Mm -hmm. because I do Hmm. think there's a couple of there. I've been lucky that, that Mentors are always wonderful, no matter who they are. Um, Anyone who will invest in you, answer your questions, give you a chance to make a mistake, Mm -hmm. that's an amazing thing. Allies are people like, you know, I wasn't going to take the job at Jones Day. I didn't, I was offered, it was an international law firm, like third largest Mm -hmm. law firm in the world. And I just thought, I'm not going to fit. I I was doing that to myself. Women Mm -hmm. do that to ourselves. It's not going to be perfect. I'm not going to fit. And he looked at me and he said, look, I think you're going to be great just give it two years. Like what's the worst that can happen? You're 27 years old. Give right. it two years. If it doesn't work out, we'll have had a great associate for a couple of years. You'll have had a great experience. Go do something else. Yeah. And that's a male ally because he didn't coddle me. He didn't yeah. try to say, he didn't think of me or treat me any differently. I don't think he gave me any different advice than he would have given a young male at that mm-hmm. time. And then he's the one who dragged me into court. You know, six months later, you know, That's same awesome. thing. So, you know, the the trick is for any of us realizing that we may be giving someone or not giving someone the benefit of the doubt because of their gender or their race or you know, s- sexual orientation, whatever it is. We st- we have biases. Oh, they probably can't do that. Right. She'll be we. Oh, she's already nervous, mm-hmm. so I won't. He didn't do that, and so I think that that um, I I've benefited so greatly from that. But I think what's really important is for all of us to dig deep and think about what it takes to be an, an ally walks in people's shoes yeah not next to them mm. in their shoes and thinks about what it's like to be them and gives them that chance as opposed to just kind of playing a role of you know every three weeks I give them a piece of advice yeah. that's 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 not the same yeah absolutely
1: and I, so I'm so curious about this. One of my really good friends actually just got into Ohio State's Law School. Mm-hmm. Hey, Andrea, you're great. <laughs> um, she's totally Go not Andrea. listening to this. Yeah. But uh, she is one of the sweetest shyest people I've ever known and I have no doubt that she's going to be awesome in law school mm-hmm. but I'm so curious how is that your natural personality I get the feeling yes. it's not yeah but no. um how, how have you seen people who are a little more reserved or shy or take on the role like standing up in court yeah. and talking to a room of people yeah that's fascinating to me
2: it, you know and it is it is one of those things about um I am absolutely extroverted so I'm the probably the reverse of that but <laughs> that's the thing about law school is that there are so many people um, it's about preparation it's about being centered and having a, a level of confidence and often people who are very thoughtful you know my husband is, is not a super extroverted person, hmm. um, but he is amazing with documents and details and and so I think that um, there really are so many different things you can do with a law degree mm-hmm. um, and many of it a lot of people I always tell people to your earlier question, go to law school and don't practice law hmm. um, it's an amazing background it will it had it, it served me very well throughout my career. And so don't, you know, I think law schools have a hard time. You may have a harder time. They they don't necessarily are always prepared to, to place you. I think it's better now yeah. in, in something other than a law firm. It's out there. Yeah. So, um, so no, I, but a, a friend like yours, you just never know. I mean, she could be the most amazing estate lawyer that's um, ever yeah. existed. And, and that's a, a huge benefit yeah. or, you know, adoption lawyers, you know, people who understand yeah. and can work, help people through processes. It's, yeah. it's a, there's so many, so many ways to use talents in that, in that regard. Yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. So tell me, you had mentioned this a little bit earlier and I'd love to go back to it. You're that warrior spirit mm-hmm. that you're talking about that you have. What in your life do you feel like kind of contributed to having that kind of a, a spirit and what led you, you know, on that path?
2: You know, that's a, that's a really good question. I think that there's certain of us that, you know, it is innate to me. I've always been sort of a, a person who's oriented to social justice. You know, I just wanted to stand up for things, mm. I, th- I think it's, it, it, so some of it, I do think just comes with the way that you're wired, yeah. but my mom is extremely, bo- you know, both of my parents are very authentic people, um, did raised us with, with very, uh, adult perspectives. Yeah. And so I think it taught me pretty early on that I had a voice yeah. and that people would be willing t- to listen to me. And my mom, of course, I, you know, I always say that, you know, my mom would tell me all the time I was going to be president of the United States <laughs> or I was, and I would get so mad. You know, yeah. because again as as young women, I think we you know, the research shows we get to about ten years old and we're doing great, and then at about ten we mm-hmm. start to question. It's it's very odd because young males don't do that, mm-hmm. but young females do. There's do you have any like reason behind that?
1: I mean, I know the women's fund does all sorts of research, so I might as well tap you while I can.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's exactly that question we don't know. Huh. Um, we but we see that as sort of as a gender, women get to that age and and unless there are interventions, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the work that we try to do with our grand out making and the way that we just interact with young women is to force them past that. It's why you see women drop out of math and science, Mm. because the the research literally shows that a young male and a young female are equally not confident about how to finish that math problem. And a woman will decide, I just need to stop. I'm going to make a Mm. mistake. And an average male will say, I'll figure it out. And so there's something we can both learn from each other there, right? I have a 16-year-old son, and he's plenty fine with making a ton of mistakes, and it makes me crazy. (laughs) Um, On the other hand, I think I need to learn from him, too, because he does have that risk-taking side that I I didn't have. And so what we want is for young males and females to realize that they're both equally good at math Mm -hmm. and science. They're going to probably learn differently, that they can learn from each other. But if they reinforce each other, instead of being separated, you know, if we're careful about, you know, um, not males will always answer all the questions because they're not as nervous about it. Yep. And that doesn't mean the female's any less capable, but then we re- re- reinforce a feeling that she's not capable because yes. she's not speaking up. So it's, it's really, um, you know, back to your question. It's really about, I was lucky that, and I had people in my life that kept pushing me forward. And even then you saw me once I got to college and into my career, I started getting really, really safe. Um, because I didn't want to mess up, and I, yeah. I I didn't have that risk taking that some of my male friends and and allies had, and and so they were the ones that helped to push me forward, and I've been the better for it. Yeah. So how do we? I was lucky I had it, but I think we can provide it for each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like? What advice would you give to a woman who's on
1: the on the fence with a career jump, or maybe mm-hmm. like stepping into a new career field of like believing those same lies of I don't feel like I can do it. I just mm-hmm. want to play it safe because that's what I've done my whole life. Mm-hmm. What would you say to, to that? <laughs>
2: It's not easy. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that I questioned, you know, going to Pelotonia is as excited as I was for it. Yeah. And I would meet I, I, I would say I think Tom and I had coffee five or six times before he was like, Are you doing this or not? <laughs> and and I did. I, I went to a, a really a male partner at, at Jones Day that I I really trusted and he said, I think you'll be great at this. Mm. For him to say that at that moment, knowing that how much I was giving up from a um you know, a compensation standpoint or, you know, a lot, all the hard work I'd put into just getting to that spot for someone to say to me, give me a little bit of that risk taking. So I would say, talk to people Mm -hmm. like that. You know, that was not, you know, it it was not in his best interest for that person to tell me that I I was going to be great at it because he was running the firm and needed me to do a lot of things. And, and he would, so, you know, you can rely on people. Um, It's not always the right time. You know, it's mm. it, if 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 when my son was younger, he, he was about five when I did that. When my son was younger, if I I would have had a really hard time because yeah. I just I just had a lot on my plate just getting him to five years old. Yeah, and sometimes family or. Or funds, or whatever it is, um, but you can always live out a little piece of yourself. Mm. You really can, and I think that that's the big thing. Is that you know I started with the Women's Fund. I got on that board. I started doing the work. It started leading. My compass started pointing me in the right way. Yeah. So a couple, a few baby steps actually are really good for you. The, the worst, worst part is if you just don't do anything at all. Mm. You know, you, you don't have to do, but that's the thing is women, we want to be able to see an entire path yep. played out and hear <laughs> step one, two and three, <laughs> and it never works that way. Yep. So if you start, and I would say if you started a nonprofit, and you think it's going to be this amazing service opportunity, and it's not at all what you thought it was, and it's not fulfilling. So what just start, go find another one. Yeah. I feel like we always just think as women,
1: things have to go the exact way we want them to. Like it has to go perfectly to plan. And if not, we totally screwed up and it's true. You know.
2: Even, even, and it doesn't matter whether you're a lawyer or an artist, yeah. you know, you can be, it, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It does have to do with, and we're just not sure what it is, but, but many, many women want to not make mistakes. And they don't want to feel and they don't want to be. Uh, it also, I think, comes a little bit from this lack of of economic empowerment and, and some of the things that we're look, looking at at the Women's Fund yeah. now, like, you know, things like the wealth gap, because we aren't taught earlier in our lives how to plan for the future. That is sort of in our culture here in America, that somehow women will be taken care of throughout their lives and that they don't need to know about taxes and investments yeah. and ownership. And even I, as as a lawyer and everything else, my husband has often taken the wheel on a lot of those things. Sure. And I, as I've grown up mm-hmm. in my in my life, I've realized, geez, I need to know more about that right. because things happen exactly, um, and you just need to know. So yeah. I think it's that fear that we don't know how, we don't always know where the paycheck or we're worried. So that causes us not to reach our full potential because, and it would be so easy if we could just start to get out there and and banks... Or investment firms, or whatever, just really focused on that more than half of the population. Yeah. um, And what you know, what we need to know. Yeah,
1: that's so true. That is so true. I feel like so often we just pigeonhole ourselves when there's so many other options available for Mm -hmm. us, and and then we wonder why things stay the same. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and the hard part is right now, I mean, you know, not to not to, you know, but it's in the news. You know, this this woman, her whole career did everything, everything to get up into space and do a spacewalk mm. and uh, ends up not being able to do it because there's only one women's spacesuit. You know, that's gender bias um, because we that just and nobody meant for that to happen. I'm convinced that nobody meant sure. to offer her that experience and then realize they didn't have an, a, the right equipment for her. But the fact that there would only be one capable of fitting a woman is a problem. Yeah. Um, And that's where we, you know, again, this isn't about blame, but we have to realize, you know, that's the scarcity thing. People always say women compete with women. We don't. Mm. Those two women didn't go up into space intending to compete with each other. And yet what has happened is that one was chosen and one wasn't. Yeah. And that's for all of us to say, you know, they had found two really qualified people and, and still implicitly walked themselves into a situation where they couldn't support that woman. Yeah. And so let's not do that. You know, yeah. let's use this as a learning moment. Um, for all of us. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's Saturday Night Live did a great skit about it over the weekend. Really? So Yeah. So you really should see it. Yeah. They always have such good. Yeah. Opinions. It was very, it was very funny and poignant.
1: Huh,
0: wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So walking back a little bit. So you were a lawyer and then you worked at Pelotonia for a little bit. Then we went to Columbus Foundation. What things started driving you? Obviously you were on the board of the women's funds, mm-hmm. but what things started kind of pulling at your heart where you were like, I want to start looking to go there and do that work.
2: You know, I never would have left the foundation. I, I loved what I was doing there. I didn't get to do it long enough, but this job, I didn't know it was going to be open and really, Fighting for women has been sort of my personal love and passion, and, and figuring out how because I've had so many wonderful male allies in my life, trying to figure out how to make this all work yeah. better. Um, because I know I, if I've been able to succeed, there are so many women who could, um, but we're just not crossing barriers the way that we could be. And so when I realized that I could have that impact with this role. I knew that I couldn't pass up the opportunity and it is one of those things where it's not perfect. You know, you know, it wasn't where I, I didn't have any clue, um, that that was going to, that I was going to end up switching gears this, this, at this time, but, but I just knew for me, it's, it's hard work and, um, it's hard work. That's hard work. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's all I really ever wanted to do. Yeah. So what drives you as a leader? people. I've thought about it a lot uh, over a lot over my life and and I really love to watch people connect. I think that there's a lot of power to it. It, it, It's all the power, you know, and I, you know, I use the word love all the time and it has nothing to do with romantic love. Mm -hmm. I just think that people really do want to be able to provide that kind of support to each other, the non-romantic kind. Um, and they need to realize how serious that is. That mm-hmm. that's that is something that's that's really so important. And if people don't have purpose and meaning and belonging, they don't succeed, regardless of how hard they work at mm-hmm. things. Uh, very rarely do they feel that fulfilled internally, unless unless and that comes from the connections with others. Right. Um, and I think that was the power of of Pelotonia for me was realizing that we had put all these roadblocks in front of people. You know, fundraising yeah. and and illnesses and having to learn to ride a bike and all these other things. And yet the power that I saw from the people, it was life-changing. I mean, just absolutely life-changing to watch complete strangers interact in that way over the course of three days and then over the course of the year as they would get more and more um, sort of 365 about, yeah. about participating. So I always, you know, my view is always as long as, you know, the, whatever community I'm working in, I'm creating community. I'm, I'm thinking hard about creating community mm-hmm. um, that involves everyone. Then that's what really makes me driven to be a leader is, is yeah. to make, give more people that sense of purpose and meaning and belonging that yeah. I think that they really do, ch- you know, cherish once yeah. they find it. Hmm.
1: And what kind of community, I mean, obviously women and girls are the main community mm-hmm. you work with at the Women's Fund, but I would love to know just a little bit more about what that job looks like and how you create that change within those communities in Columbus.
2: Yeah, I mean, and what's what was been really interesting for us is, you know, the Women's Fund started as 15, 15 women got together and said, we're going to underwrite it, we're going to fundraise, we're going to be the board, we're going to be everything, um, because they just wanted it to happen. That's awesome. They willed it to mm-hmm. happen. But what you realize then is now we're getting close to our 20th anniversary. And what's so exciting about that is that now, you know, at first, you know, 20 years ago, just women talking about being philanthropists and being empowered and and social change, um, that wasn't happening. And now we can really get into the deep, deep work of even as women, our experiences aren't all the same. You know, intersectionality um, is so important to what we think about because being a black woman is different than being a white woman, right. uh, a Latina woman different than that, you know, a, a transgendered a per, a person. All these things matter. And um, and and it will throw how we, you know, the biases that come out in that process is something that we need to help under- everyone understand. I, I think that it, it's just, you know, social change has, is has so far to go yeah Um, it's so wonderful that it's where it is but it has so far to go Mm -hmm. and all of us as women supporting women and then to actually bring male male allies into that role where we can all be in a room together talking about these things and realizing we are together that it's it's not about figuring out what our differences are it's about celebrating those differences and bringing forth what's the same which is that need to belong
1: and now where you're at you know you are the CEO of a great nonprofit, and mm-hmm. but at the same time, you started out at a pretty great law firm mm-hmm. and, and that showed you know, your tenacity and, mm-hmm. and effort and everything. But I'm just so curious, how did you stand out when you were so young in your mm. career? Because I feel like there's so many people that have that drive and want that and have that warrior spirit that you're talking about, but how do you make sure you stand out within that?
2: That's a great question. I I think that my whole career, I, I really did work to be, well, I didn't, I shouldn't say I worked to be, I was authentic. I didn't know how to be otherwise. And one of the main reasons I didn't wanna take that job at Jones Day in the beginning is because I didn't feel like I would fit because I felt like there was this corporate person that I was afraid there was a corporate person I had to become that I wouldn't be able to do. And I think a lot of people do go into jobs because they've decided they wanna be a lawyer at a large law firm or they wanna be a certain kind of nurse or whatever. And because that's what their mind has decided. It's not what their heart has decided. They, hmm. they give up themselves in the process. And I just didn't do that. My, the, the sort of infamous story that I've told several times now is that I, I bought a red suit to interview in law school. And it was, it was the nineties. It had oh big sh- shoulders. It was that's amazing. double breasted, <laughs> you know, still a skirt because pantsuits were still a little questionable at the time, but they flipped out.
1: Oh my god! The, the
2: the placement people at law school flipped out, and they were like, "You can't wear red in an interview." And I was like, "Well, I don't understand why not." Like, that and they is were so like, cool. "Well, it's so bold." I didn't. I got into TJ Maxx. I didn't have a lot of money to go mm. buy more suits, so I wore it because I, I eventually decided, look, if they don't hire me because of the red suit, we're gonna have a whole series of problems once I get there. Um, oh, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, if they you know, they, they weren't going to like me anyway. Yeah. Um, and I do think to your question that that's probably what helped me the most is that I just always hung on to a certain sense of who I was. Yeah. And that did cause me to stand out. Yeah. There was probably even as unconfident as I felt, hmm. there was still some confidence coming through and that I knew who I was, even mm-hmm. if I was afraid I wasn't good enough. That's, So cool.
0: I really (laughs) wish
1: I had a red suit now just to walk around in that. Harder to find, harder to find. (laughs) That's great. So, you were talking about how a lot of times, young, when people are young, starting out in their career, they think they want to go into something with their head, but their heart isn't there. What, you know, what if someone's in their job early in their career and they're realizing that and figuring that out? But as women specifically i know i'm like this like i'm just i don't want to let people down i don't want to hurt people's feelings how do you like what advice would you give to a young woman who's like maybe this isn't what i should be doing and i need to go
2: into something else mm-hmm. it's that the sense of responsibility is big we all yeah. have that you know i didn't want to leave the law firm quite frankly because i was a woman who had made mm. partner and i had started to create a, an environment where i felt like women could talk to each other and support each other along with my colleagues that were similarly situated, we'd gotten a good thing going and mm-hmm. I felt horrible, just mm-hmm. horrible about leaving. And and people will be tough on you sometimes. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're going, I can't believe this. Um, people will be upset that you're not gonna finish the project. I mean, there was a few things that I'd started working at the foundation that I'm very passionate about mm-hmm. and I knew I was gonna have to pass the baton to people that I trust infinitely to do it well, but it, it, it's hard yeah. to, to let go. And I think that that's the thing. There's always a trade-off you know, there's even, even rarely are you hopefully going to be in something where you are so miserable that you just want to run screaming for the door. And I suggest (laughs) if you do feel like that, run screaming for the door, it'll all be okay. But Hmm. if not, there's always going to be that give and take. And some people handle it gracefully. Others around you handle it gracefully and some don't. Some people say really hard things to you. That's what we as women have to realize that that's okay, but it's our life. Um, and mm-hmm. we're not living it for them. So if it's the middle of a project and you didn't mean to let go, but you have to go, you have to go because there's no, no time where I've ever thought there is never a perfect time for anything,
1: yeah,
2: anything. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is that, you know, you, you, you really, I always say it's this internal compass or something. The more you say it out loud, the more you feel it. So talk about it, like yeah. don't hide it inside, talk about it. Because the more I talked about wanting to go out and do something the more I realized there were people who actually thought that was a good idea. And it wasn't just me. You're so cool. I'm sorry. I just have to say <laughs> that.
1: that. was awesome. Uh, what do you feel like when you were starting out was the biggest mistake that you made in your career that you would advise people not to, to fall into?
2: You know, I think that the, the biggest mistake that I made was, I, I think it was, it was probably even in law school. I started holding myself back, deciding that I couldn't do things. I just wanted to be so safe, you know, so I didn't apply to a whole lot of law schools. I ended up having a wonderful experience at Ohio State. I'm not, mm-hmm. that's not a knock against Ohio State, but I didn't even think, I look now and I get so excited when women actually really consider their options with interviewing or, or clubs that I joined or things that I did. I, I was always kind of hedging bets as to what was the right thing versus just what, it's that risk, yeah, you know? And so I think I wouldn't, I don't know if it was really mistakes, but I know I had a tendency not to risk and not to really, um, go for it. Um, because failing isn't that bad. (laughs) I wish I would have realized that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Someone I was talking to a while ago for a different story just said, you know, if, if you have the job offer in another state or another go, if the worst that could happen is it doesn't work out and you can just go home.
2: Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was
1: so cool. Like, I feel like we just, women specifically put so much pressure on their shoulders of like this has to go perfectly if i'm going to take this risk it has to go perfectly yeah and rarely does that ever happen you know <laughs> never i would venture to say never yeah. right exactly yeah. so this is one of my favorite questions i love to ask people like yourself because in it i get some advice which i think is great was there ever a time where you had to negotiate for yourself
2: yes i'm sure there was what was yeah. that like for you yeah it's hard It's the worst. Um, (laughs) It's good to know other people think it's the worst and it's not just me. (laughs) No, it's it's the worst. And um, honestly, that's something that, um, that is where I think biases come out a lot Mm. because number one, they don't expect women to do it. And so when we do it, you're almost automatically, if people really think hard about it, they're offended when we bring it up and when... Would uh, not offended when others bring it up. I, I've had numerous times in my career where I know people were worried about a male that I worked with because he has a family. Well, I have a family too, <laughs> you know. And this leads to again this thing that we look at at the Women's Fund, the wealth gap, because people just assume women are always going to have people to take care of them. And and you know, look at Sheryl Sandberg or somebody like that whose yeah. husband just unexpectedly oh, yeah. passes away. And that could change your life. Mm-hmm. It will change your life, obviously. But I mean, it could change you also from that sense of security that you thought you were going to have. And so I, I know it's also so hard because you, you not only is it hard for us as a, as a gender to talk about it, in the same way and it's it's the same thing with fundraising for women that's one of the reasons i got so excited about the women's fund is that mm-hmm. we're very bold about the fact that it takes money to make the world work if we want i need investors mm-hmm. in my work i need funding and i i think i have a good value proposition but um, women don't like to talk like that sometimes mm-hmm. um, and and we know we may be perceived as pushy or or and and people don't trust that our compasses as are, are as good with regard to how we're going to spend the funds or whatever and it's all just wrong yeah that's why the MBAs and those kinds of things that you mentioned help right. because I think once you've done that in your life it, it does I, I hate I'm not saying that everyone needs to go to Some special program, but think like you have, even if you haven't, because otherwise you, you, you do have hurdles to go through and, and other people need to think about the fact that they're, that they're giving us that hard time when we do it, but I I've done it and it's worked. It has, sometimes I've had to, you know, and I haven't gotten exactly what I wanted, but at least I walked away from the situation knowing that I pushed, you know, that I stood up for myself. Yeah.
1: How do you answer the, the family questions that you get from people? Like, how do you take care of your family and be a CEO at the same time? What's yeah. your response to those kind of questions? Yeah,
2: it's it's really hard. And you try to have some grace. I mean, I, I get a lot of questions because I have a, a, an only child. And a lot of people question that hmm. still today. It's just <laughs> like it's odd, and and I, I, I you know, my son, I, I, he he had a had a lot of illnesses when he was young. Hmm. Um, not anything life threatening, but he just was not a very healthy baby and toddler. And so by the time I got to him to five years old, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> He's still alive. I'm good. <laughs> but I thought a lot about it. But even if I hadn't, or or you know, and and so I think people. Um, I think what I try to do is be really authentic with people. And I try to point out, like, sometimes if it's a funny question, I make a joke. You know, so I always tell people, like, work once you've heard a question one time assume you're going to get it again and kind of remember the answer so that you know <laughs> yeah. um, because people do they don't realize that that we're not all meant to have children or are hundreds of children or <laughs> you know it's, it's it's just it's a very personal thing yeah. these are human beings mm. so um so i, I uh, it is funny though because uh, people do one it was funny cuz I, I missed a i got to a school play late one time because my, i was coming back from boston a trip mm. to boston when i was a lawyer and I mentioned to another mom as I was walking in that I hadn't been home that morning to get my son ready for the play. Mm -hmm. And and she looked horrified (laughs) that it was was a preschool play. So I, I, um, you know, sometimes you just have to realize, you know, your frame of reference is different Mm -hmm. than theirs. And uh, believe me, he somehow got to 16 and uh, forgave
1: me for not being (laughs) there that morning. Right. Uh, So
2: for you, when
1: you did have your son, you worked continuously through that season, which is hard for a lot of women in that season of life is a time where I feel like a lot of women take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to put that my career on the back burner and take care of my family. Um, and for people who do that, maybe a couple years down the road, they realize I actually want to go back into the workforce. What would your advice be for that, for that woman?
2: You know, I really always encouraged women to do what their, what their compass was telling them. Mm. Because for me, Handing my son to those people at the daycare and knowing that they were professionals um, and they were wonderful, wonderful influences on all of our lives. They were just, we just found a really great place and they became members of our family. And, uh, you know, my son was the better for that experience. But my son was the kind of kid who also thrived in that kind of experience. I think that. You never, again, you can't tell. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how your child's going to react. You don't know what health issues are going to be like. So I always said, do what you need to do for your career. To me, whether I made partner in the right amount of time, quoted or wrong amount of time, they've got to let that go. You know, it is a career, you know, you know, so if you decide to step away, but when I tell women that they say they're going to step away for their children, they have to actually do it. And what I've really um, encouraged people when they're talking about paid family leave and these kinds of things, I do think in a lot of environments we can have very nice policies, but they aren't actually reinforced. Mm -hmm. They aren't actually implemented or certain people in in the environment, you know, say a law firm could be a rainmaker and thus they're not held accountable (laughs) for actually paying attention to the policy. Yeah. And so a woman could be, have made the decision that she's going to take a pay cut and work less time and put her career on a bit of a slower track because she wants to do this piece for her family. But then there could be somebody still just hammering her to do the same amount of work or, right. and she's st- you know, that's not okay. You know, because there are trade-offs. There, again, to our earlier point, there's nothing that's perfect. And it's the same thing for a male, if he were to need to do that for a, a parent or a child um, and set his career back. I, I saw that happen at Jones Day where males would have to do that. And, and we had a policy that worked for, the, you know, um, but I just, I run into people all the time where they're told the, you know, it's you can't just put it on the books. Yep. Because people are people, mm-hmm. and thus we have to hold each other accountable to actually give people. Because if there is that kind of flexibility and understanding, you'll often find people rise way to the occasion and um, do amazing work, even yep. when they're part time. You know, and then they come back in their career, or they step away completely. Um, we have to not judge people for that. Sure, you know, they. That it's not like they forget everything. Um, But I also see a lot of people that use that break to find something they're really passionate about, you know, and they become amazing small business owners or whatever. Mm -hmm. So sometimes even if your corporate life hasn't really worked out, your, your entrepreneurial life does. So, um, you know, you gotta be open to those possibilities. Yeah. My
1: last question for you, what's next for you professionally that you haven't done yet, that you want to see be done?
2: You know, I turned 50 this past year and I feel like it's just such an interesting time in your life to actually think about, geez, I, I made it here, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I'll be honest, I, you know, I'm not the kind of person who wants to work forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love live music. I love traveling. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I would, I would go anywhere for the combination of those two. I'll travel <laughs> anywhere to hear live music. But, um, so my, my goal would really be this for me is an amazing opportunity, um, to really dig deep into what I care about, um, and to really help the women's fund at its, at, uh, you know, cross the 20 year mark and really find its future of. of- not only waking people up to bias, but interrupting it and changing yeah. it and creating the, this community that we all know can exist. Um, I do believe women will help save; will be a big help in saving the world if we, we give them all a voice. Um, yeah. And and we haven't even begun to scratch mm. what that voice sounds like. So so I hope to do that for 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 the good foreseeable future. And and then I'm going to hit a concert on a beach somewhere, and I'm I'm probably never coming back. So <laughs>
1: oh, <no. laughs> that's awesome. That is so awesome. Okay, so our last segment. I'm just going ask you a couple quick questions and whatever first comes to your mind, just give it to me. What's the biggest
2: myth about being a female executive? That we're cold. Yeah, that we don't we that we've somehow turned off emotions Mm. and we we somehow have become male.
1: Yeah. That's so so true. <laughs> Not that I know, because I'm a woman executive. Just because I've like heard. Yeah, that yeah, but I mean, it's all
2: the movies, you know, and, and stuff you see. Yes. Often, very often, like we laugh if you've ever watched a Hallmark movie. Like, there's always the the mean executive widow <laughs> or like has no boyfriend in her yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, she's given wanna... up everything. Yeah. yeah, I think that's Wears, less. Like, and... All black
1: all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up?
2: When I was young, I wanted to be a teacher because that's what my mom was. Mm-hmm. And then I pretty quickly decided on the journalism thing. So <laughs> I, 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 didn't vary a lot. I was very type A, so I, I wanted to focus early yeah. on. So I, I got into the writing thing and I stuck to it. So mm-hmm. yeah. How do you feel
1: like this isn't one of these questions, but I'm just curious, how do you feel like journalism, studying journalism helped you for law school?
2: A lot. Mm-hmm. It helped me a lot because, um, because I just, I knew how to research. I knew how to, I knew how to, um, I knew how to write. It, it was, it, and, and I had that t- that non-biased writing that you mm-hmm. need to do mm-hmm. um, for, for, you know, for law, you have to be it has to be such a professional writing. Um, right. It, it did, did hurt my creative writing skills for a while because I couldn't remember anymore how to <laughs> write anything fantastical. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah.
1: How do you feel about being classified as a female CEO instead of just CEO?
2: You know, I don't mind it um, right now because I do think that it's really important for us to stand up mm. um, and show up. And so I want people to, to know, I think it's really important that, you know, I've had people say to me, because I've had some really lovely positions in my life, but never truly a CEO. And people have said to me, you know, wasn't that good enough being hmm. one of those other positions? I'm like, no, I really wanted to be in charge. You know, I mean, I didn't take the role only to be a CEO, Yeah. but I think any woman would be remiss not to realize that that is a different experience than almost anything else. Yeah. What makes it so different? You can, your guardrails come off a little bit. You know, you can truly have a vision Mm -hmm. and you can build a team around you that is actually interested in what you may have been thinking. You know, for me, for 50 years, there's ideas that I've had and I've always been a great operational partner. So I've always been able to compromise and I'm still able to compromise, but I realize that now some of the ideas I had. There, there's not as much process yeah. around giving some of those ideas a try. Whereas, you know, in a in a large law firm or anything else, you know, there's just a lot of other people, and so the less committees you have to talk to, the the more license there is to risk and fail. Even. Yeah.
1: What do you wish
2: you knew when you were starting your career? I wish I knew that it would all be okay. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't think I could have even imagined that at the time. That I, I just. And, you know, I was realistic enough to know that that, that things could go wrong, you know, and and, and I d- didn't have rose-colored glasses about needing to be able to pay bills and things like that. And so I think I pumped all that up yeah. um, and made it actually harder than it is. Mm. And I, I love the way the world is now. I do think that, that the way our connected world helps people younger understand that there are ways uh, you know, are, are many, many ways to live your life back when there was no internet. When I first started out, you know, you didn't see a whole lot of examples. You, you, you thought there were just like a few paths and you had to pick one. And and now I think people see such a different world that it's, it's exciting. That's cool. And my last question is who is your biggest role model or mentor? Well, it sounds cliche, but it's my mother. Um, she, you know, she was a teacher and, and she was jokes because she's a wonder, she was an amazing teacher, kindergarten for 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. And um, you still see, I met someone here in town recently that that um, we actually met in an interview process and she had my mom in kindergarten and <laughs> um, people remember her so well. But she really, you know, at the time I just didn't realize how extraordinary it was for Someone to suggest that her daughter was going to be president of the United States hmm. and I even though I was irritated and I thought it was so weird it, it just just think of all the young young women, especially who someone doesn't say that to them So, you know for me uh, Living up to that has has always been pretty much my inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, and secondly, I guess after that Dolly Parton <laughs> because awesome. i mean yeah because she's i don't know if you've, you if you haven't seen her go see her i mean she is the most amazingly talented and best business person you know I, elvis presley called her when she was a very young songwriter and said he wanted to buy her songs and she said no because she knew it was her music and you know and and wow. that i mean people don't realize you know yeah i mean she the persona is one thing but the brain is something amazing yeah. That is so, so cool. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. Exactly. So you never know. You know, you yeah. got to find your find your role models all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming yeah. in. I had so much
1: fun talking with yeah. you.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a blast.